Did you know that there are more episodes of Dragon Ball Z than there are episodes of the Monsters? We've got all sorts of interesting facts and more coming up. We got lots of info. Let's rock and roll. It's Digital with Rhino. Hello and welcome to this episode of Did You Know with Rhino. In case you didn't know, I'm Rhino. This is my show and I know exactly what you're thinking, just how many episodes of Dragon Ball Z are there? The answer is the world may never know. In today's episode, we're going to have lots of fun and excitement, and you might possibly learn something. Yes, folks, here with Did You Know with Ryan O, we talk about all sorts of fun things pertaining to pop culture, science, history. We even talk about astrology, oceanology, dead denotology, philobotology, edzimilology, and all sorts of fun things that might end with an H. And today's episode, we're going to be hanging out with a special guest. Our special guest is an expert in all fun things, including anime, and um, he's a really cool and awesome dude. So, ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Poole. So, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing all right, man. It's a good day. How has the um, the the weather been holding up on your side of this city? Honestly, <laughs> the last few days have been beautiful, man. It's a nice sunny uh, reminder that I'm not supposed to be outside in the sun. Yeah, and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that because AC beats summer heat. Yeah, because you don't want to be out there like completely frying because that's just not a, a fun way to do things. I mean, I know you grew up in in Georgia, um, but but the weather in in Central Florida it, it's not that different, right? It's it's pretty similar. Uh, the only big difference between Florida and Georgia, I feel like. In Florida, we're close enough to the coast that when the weather does a crazy change, you can kind of make sense of it. In Atlanta, the weather goes totally haywire, and there's no real reason for it. It just kind of does its thing, and you have to pretend to adapt? Pretty much, yeah. So uh, coming from there to, to moving down down here, this is one of the questions I normally ask um, people who transplanted into central Florida, what have been some of the biggest changes that you'd have to, that you had to overcome uh, moving to this sort of area? One of the big things moving here, uh, moving to Orlando, everything is, it feels very temporary. Uh, A lot of people come here to do like the college program with no intention of staying, or they're here on like a small internship. So I feel like, there's a lot of like transient people, whereas people that move to Atlanta, typically they were there to be there. So I think one of the biggest changes is getting used to the idea of people just popping in and out of your life after six months and trying to figure out how to keep in contact with people so spread out all over the world. Or choosing who to keep in contact with and keeping that relationship as it goes on. That's true, man. It's hard to pick between like six people. Like, which one do I did I genuinely connect with on that level that I want to 
keep reaching out and making that effort. And then there's the um, the, the cynical question is, do they also uh, feel the same way too? I mean, after going through a decade of this, um, I've seen people uh, come and go um, so quickly and it, it does make you a little bit more guarded and a little bit more, um, a little bit more bitter as you can actually see the strings which are created when you're forming attachments and knowing um, how deep to form said attachment. Like, like it, it's like going into, it's like when people are starting to dig in like an area and are not quite sure what's underneath. So they dig a little bit at a time as opposed to using a gigantic like make machine which ends up bursting through pipes and flooding the entire area. Cause then, then you got to uh, fix the flood afterwards. I mean, yeah, definitely. And I, that's not even just with the people that go away. Sometimes I have a bad habit of, I'm one of those, I can be very cynical about a lot of things, but when it comes to people, I tend to be almost too naive where I'm like, this person has been nice to me. I'm going to go all in on this friendship and it's just, they don't feel the same way, but I, it's, it can be a bad thing and it does leave a little bit of damage sometimes, but also like, it's the I risk also, and the what ifs, it, it, right? Absolutely. It's the risk. And then like, I'm actually shocked at the number of the CPs and stuff that still talk to me. Still like we have not like constant conversations, but like, if something's going on in their life, they come to me for advice or they, they'll just talk to me to talk. Like I had a couple, I don't want to use, I guess, names, but sure, of course, people from different countries, people from lots of people in Australia, some people in England, uh, you know, a friend in Mexico that like, we still keep in really good touch. And it's actually kind of shocking. If you give people that chance, how, much they respect that but it also couldn't have started unless you were willing to open yourself up to those new experiences oh yeah absolutely one of the hardest parts about accomplishing anything is being totally vulnerable because you have no idea in any project if you're going to do well or not and if it doesn't succeed, then there, then you know you, you learn and you build and you try to make it so that um, you're more successful um, in the future, or that you know how to fix what happened in the past. Absolutely. If you don't learn, obviously you're going to keep failing. But also, you learn. You start to not just how to fix things, but you also start to learn to see the signs ahead of time that oh this person i've i've met someone like you before or i've done the project like this before this isn't what it appears to be just, and so just from you, the the collective knowledge and um, statistics of learning human or interaction exactly uh, the more you talk to people the more you can kind of gauge them and obviously, like, not saying judge a book by its cover, but as you start to get to know them, you can start to see consistent patterns, just like with anything else. Patterns and shortcuts. It helps um, identify information um, a lot quicker than, well, you would have before. 
Absolutely. And I think it, it's, it goes back to like an old Dave Chappelle sketch where he, he talks and like the crux is that his jokes are probably not appropriate or whatever, but he goes to the point he goes, but as Americans, we're taught to think in generalizations, you know, we never see the whole picture and it's not as Americans. It's just as a human, you can't always know everything. So sometimes you got to go shorthand what you have. And that may not always be perfect, but it's important to realize that sometimes you're not seeing things as they are because you're using those shortcuts. But also if you don't use them, you probably won't get anywhere. So you got to balance it out. Love it, man. It's deep. We've, we've gotten deep really quickly in this, this podcast. So I think it's time for us to um, travel a little bit further back and ask the, the, the big question about, um, so growing up in the Atlanta area, um, what sort of things were you interested in when you were a kid? So growing up, uh, my mom worked at kind of the, the school in the richer part of the town. So I got a taste for like people who had private, their own swimming pools, always being able to play the newest game. Obviously it was my friend's stuff, but like a lot of video games, I was always on the cutting edge, like knowing what games are coming out. And for whatever reason, I guess it was just like the culture at the time growing up in the mid nineties, late nineties, Toonami was everywhere. Like if you were, like an elementary school boy, you watch Toonami. And so anime, this thing that none of us knew existed, kind of exploded all at once. And then all of a sudden it kind of redacted and people hated it. So I kind of had to like hide that I was in the anime and started focusing on sports. That was kind of the same thing when, when like comic books came out, like everyone was reading them back in like the... Uh... 40s and and 50s and and whatnot and then like you get past a certain age and all of a sudden it's like no you're you're nerdy for reading those sort of books and then you get past a certain point where everyone's like no that stuff was awesome yeah so i mean it absolutely no go ahead it absolutely is i think it's it's interesting when i look back on my childhood i had you know at the same time, I had the model of Death Scythe Gundam and the That was the red Michael guy, F- right? No, nah, that was the black one uh, okay. from Gundam Wing. Uh, and uh, I also had the Michael Vick like experience football because I was an Atlanta kid. So like, I was like one foot in each world. So that was pretty fun times. So you could speak both languages if the conversation required you to. Absolutely. I can just imagine that type of conversation where you're um, comparing a, uh, uh, a football play to how, um, how three different Gundams move through the army in space. You know, like that sort of conversation. Yeah. I mean... It's kind of funny because I feel like at one point we definitely had the conversation about what would be the best five-man team for basketball from Dragon Ball Z characters. Okay. I I know that conversation came up. 
and I don't remember who it was with, but it was the funniest thing because we, we went into this deep, like, okay, who would be good at what? And then all of a sudden someone's like, they can all fly. This is kind of pointless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When, when everyone can fly, all of a sudden you have to create a rule that no one can fly. (laughs) No flying, please. So, so then we also power doesn't even have to matter at that point. It's just, um, how good people are at communicating and working with each other. Yeah. So officially Vegeta would be absolutely the worst then. Of course, because he's, um, selfish and, um, and he'd be a ball hog and no one would want to play with him. He would basically be Kobe Bryant. Yeah. But then every, so, so every owner would want him on their team. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I would imagine that any of them would be pretty good at it. So I I would think they would get signed pretty quick. I can imagine seeing Goku in some like uh in in like an orange basketball um uniform. <laughs> uh that's something I need. I think the closest we ever got to seeing something like that is when Yamcha was playing uh baseball. In uh, like season one or two of Dragon Ball Z. I mean, yeah, I always felt so bad for Yamcha because when when we meet him in Dragon Ball, he is able to at least kind of hold his own against Goku. But like everyone in the series gets at least a little bit better except him. Yeah, but he's also one of the first ones. Um to to push himself onto the sideline like he realized his he limited himself unfortunately that's fair he steps away very quickly and early on and i think it's all downhill from the part where tn breaks his leg yep <laughs> and, and then the the, the chow sue thing and like everyone disappearing and yeah Oh yeah, no, it's uh he definitely gets a raw deal and I like that but he, in fairness to him and him he does give up quite a bit and being like I'm not going to be useful. He does keep showing up. Like he goes to the cell games even though he knows he's going to be totally useless. But but he's still there, which is like like if yeah. you're if you're number 16 um out of 16, at least you get a play. <laughs> exactly. Like he he shows up and he never turns himself into a living time bomb. So I guess he beats uh, Chaozu in that regard. Yeah, that's that's one of those things where you at least want to be like one step ahead of the guy who's sacrificing himself for everyone else. Yeah. But then again, there's something noble about that that um, concept too, about being the guy who ultimately decides to uh, put the needs of the many um, outweighing the needs of the few. Or the one. Absolutely. Uh, I have to throw in that quote because I uh, recently um, binged season two of Star Trek Discovery, and it's a whole bunch of Spock. It, it's a it's an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> so yeah, I never really got into Star Trek personally, but I've always found Spock to be incredibly entertaining. Like all of his quotes and all the scenes that he's in in movies. He's phenomenal. Because it's someone who 
technically um, has a lot of emotion, but chooses not to use them to respond to situations. So then this logical snarkiness just shows up. And and I mean, it's snarky, but it's also so true because too many people, I feel like they react to every stimulus and they're always upset. They're always drained. And it's just, it's such a waste for them. Because they're giving too much as opposed to dissecting things and going with the more logical response. Exactly. Like, if more of us could be like Spock, the world would be so much better off. But the world would also be very cold. Fair. We'd get a lot accomplished, but in what direction would that accomplishment go in? I mean, yeah. And, well, that's kind of a question, no matter how you accomplish things, you get into what is the the one comic um, Emperor Stark, like he's made utopia, but everyone's a slave. And like, there's always the question of how much can you advance without costing people their humanity? Uh, You just mentioned Emperor Stark. I'm assuming you're talking about Tony. Yeah, it was like a weird, I don't know if it was just an episode in one of the Avengers series or if it was based on a comic I'm sure it was like an issue of a comic or a mini series a while back, but there was an episode of one of the Avengers series where uh, the purple man convinces Tony he can make the perfect world with his tech and he does, but basically he becomes like, he becomes this crazy dictator and like everyone has everything they need, but they have very little freedom. According to uh, Wikipedia, it was in, Episode 19 in Season 2 of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yeah, that sounds about right. I really, that's a good series. It was fun. And it looks like there's an image of the Purple Man, but he's um, dressed up to look like Howard Stark. (laughs) I think that sounds right. I think that was like his, uh, that was his ploy to get to Tony was he was Howard, but it's been a while since I've seen it. It's one of those shows that comes up um, where depending on what, so a lot of these shows, depending on what your age you're at, um, they, they, they grab you and then you try to hold on to it for as long as you can until, well, it's not there anymore, but it's, it's got to grab you the, the right way. That sounds a little bit um, wrong, but, but when talking about Toonami and, and that phrase, um, like the, the, the Dragon Balls and the, uh, the the Tenchi Muyo, I think that was a thing that came out around that time in the Oh uh, Tenchi so Tenchi Muyo is my favorite series of all time. Uh I own like an actual collection of like rare Tenchi Muyo stuff back home in Atlanta. I have the uh Japanese Famicom game. I have a cop one of the original poster promotional posters from the release in America. I have Go ahead. I just have this weird connection with this show that I never really could explain. And it's like, so like you said, like captured you for whatever reason, from the first episode of that show, I was hooked. What what I usually remember from that show was he just got frustrated because he was a- around a whole bunch of weird ladies. 
So that's like the crux of the comedy is like they are all at least to various degrees interested in him. And he just wants to be left alone. Like he wants a normal, quiet life and random aliens keep popping into it. And like, there's always that typical heroes call to action at some point in the middle of the season where it's revealed that Tenchi himself is also an alien. And like, he's part of like the like samurai grandfather dude and him are like a race of aliens that practice sword fighting and they get lightsabers. So this sounds like, like the most random thing ever, but also intriguing at the same time. Cause I only watched like two or three episodes of it when it came out. Yeah. So it's definitely like it, it's your basic like comedic harem anime, except with weird space battles. And so like, it's like if someone decided to make a Star Wars harem show. Okay. Isn't that like yeah. Jabba's Palace? I mean, yeah, but like it, except that unlike Jabba, Tenchi is like an actually decent human. Nice. So, so besides Tenchi and Dragon Ball, what else were you watching as a youngster? Uh, I used to watch a show called Ranma One Half when I was very little. It, I don't know like when it aired and what it aired on, but uh, it's this weird show where if you all the characters are cursed except for like a handful, and uh, if you get hit with cold water, you transform into whatever your curse is. Like the main character is a martial artist who can transform back and forth forth between a girl and boy. Okay, and his dad is a panda when he transforms and like, so the dad will dump water on himself and like, it's a comedy. So like they're all martial artists, but like they don't take themselves seriously. And like the dad is a lazy bum. And every time he wants to get out of paying a debt or like living up to a responsibility, he pours water on himself and pretends to be a normal Panda, even though everyone knows he's not a Panda. Okay. So like, it's this weird, like, And, like, I don't know how I got a hold of watching this as a kid because some of the jokes are really off-color and, like, really not kid-appropriate. But for some reason, I I was able to watch the show as a kid. And then another big one for me was Outlaw Star. Okay. Which, uh, it's basically like Cowboy Bebop, except I just happened to watch it more, so I liked it more. Gotcha. And so it's like one of these like little spacecraft, um, spacecraft Western things. Yeah. So it's like a spacecraft spaghetti Western and, uh, like the main character, eventually the ship they get has arms and that's like one of the, the things is in some of the fight sequences instead of in space shooting lasers, the ships are like wrestling <laughs> Okay. That's, so it's kind of funny. It's like Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Pretty much, yeah. It's pretty great. Nice. I'm trying to see where, where that one was on. Was that one on, uh, like, near Cowboy? No, so... Uh, Outlet, all, I know Outlaw Star was definitely Toonami, and I think it was around the same time they showed Roni Kenshin. Okay. 
because Cowboy Bebop happened in um, 1998. And then, so, so did this one. They kind of yeah. happened around the same time. And I think Trigun was actually right around that same time, too. So, like, there was just a run on space westerns for some reason. Well, also around that time is when, um, in America, they, they did the Firefly series. Oh, yeah. That was, like, two uh-huh. years later they did uh, Firefly. That's interesting. I wonder, like, what would have caused that sudden, like... Because it's an odd idea to do like space westerns. Well, they 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 did a, a space samurai space western in in 1977, and it spun on to a, a billion dollar corporation. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> so, I guess you're right. Like, it makes sense. It's just. Yeah. It's weird that all, all of a sudden everyone was like, this is the direction, space western. And then we went away from from that for like a tiny bit. And then last year we got The Mandalorian, which is a space western. Absolutely. And it's, I don't, like, I immediately, again, you talk about immediately attaching yourself. I started watching that and I was like, I felt like a kid again. I was like, yes, I want to see the bounty hunter in space. I think it's kind of based off of like like the one of those um, samurai like lone lone wolf type stories. It definitely plays out a lot like one, where you've got like the, an, the grizzled old dude who's trying to um, go on with his life, but he ends up having to spend his entire time um, protecting this kid while also having a life. Yeah. I mean, kudos to John Favreau for once again making something amazing. Because Johnny Favs. He just he's always seems to be clued in to what people want. Cause like Star Wars has had a real problem with their fans not being on the same page with them for a while. And then John Favreau made something and everyone's like, This is amazing, it's so good. Or like before Iron Man, uh, superhero movies were just getting panned all over the place. Which which partially has something to do with uh, um, Joel Schumacher kind of screwing things up with Batman and Robin. I love that movie, though. It's it's so it's so bad that it's actually entertaining. Absolutely. It's. It's got that, like, Adam West Batman campiness, except it's not trying to be campy, which somehow makes it better. <laughs> yeah, that that's... But, like... So, I think had George Clooney not been in it, it, it still could have uh, done something, like, like, gone somewhere, if they still would have kept Val Kilmer as Batman. I mean, Val Kilmer was great as Batman. And I think definitely George Clooney hating the film from the moment it was announced did nothing for anybody in that movie. And there were some other pretty big stars that were trying, like Uma Thurman's in that movie. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger is not the greatest Mr. Freeze, but he's trying. They're trying, all right. They're swinging for the fence. Yeah, like they're they're trying to make something entertaining, and then George Clooney just clearly doesn't want to be there. It it seems like his uh, his performance is just kind of phoned in. Like, okay, I'm here. Give me some money. Yeah, although the kid who plays Robin doesn't do much better. Like, he also clearly doesn't want to be in the film. Yeah, but at least Chris Chris O'Donnell, he kept his same performance from the first movie, and this time he's all like, I'm I'm all grown up now. Look at me. Wee! Yeah, yeah no, I mean, that was, uh, that was one heck of a project. Uh, I would hate to have been anywhere near the production team on that because I can just imagine there was there could not have been any happy feelings amongst the cast as that was being shot yeah and, and my biggest problem with the entire thing is the fact that um, that they made Barbara um, related to Alfred as opposed to making her Barbara Gordon the police commissioner's a daughter because of convenience. I totally forgot about that. Uh, I have not watched that movie in a while, but yeah, no, that's all. That's such, such a weird little change and it's so unnecessary. It's, it's shoehorned just to make their story work. That's the only reason why. And, And that stuff frustrates me from growing up, and and like the the honor and and history of the source material and then you go into stuff like that and it's like yeah we're going to change this and people are like oh it's probably no big deal but it's like but but it but it is like uh imagine um imagine doing star wars and then you were to redo um a new hope but instead of a uh, obi-wan kenobi being this like dark and mysterious like 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 guiding figure he's just some co- sort of like um douchebag with a magic stick <laughs> douchebag with the magic stick yeah it's that those sort of changes where you're like did did we have to do this no but we did so is it all right if i ask you a question then go for it like two things uh Evil Dead definitely does that with Ash. How do you feel about that? And then uh, have you seen the show Gotham? And what do you think about some of the changes they did with the Batman mythos? Okay. Um, so with 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 the Evil Dead, um, the the evolution of the character is is one thing. If you if you the difference between Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 is so, so slight but it's a course correction for Ash's character, just kind of going where I think Sam Raimi originally wanted him to, but didn't have enough time and energy to do so. So seeing that going into um, the army of darkness and then Ash versus the evil dead is um, it's kind of a little bit of a a twist on it, but it's a nice growth um, as opposed to this um, story, which which kind of started but changed every single time, like the original Batman's. So you got like Batman and Batman Returns are kind of treated as their own thing, and then 
um, Batman Forever and um, Batman and Robin are kind of their own thing. There's not really much bridging them together besides uh, besides the same character that plays Alfred and the same character that plays Commissioner Gordon. Those are like the only things that are connecting them. Besides that, they feel a little bit separated. So the 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 craziness of of Batman and Robin is a little bit less understandable. Now, flipping into Gotham, um, right off the bat, they started talking about how it's a story within the Batman universe, almost like it's a multiverse or or different universe question. Like it's not the Batman that we know, but it's a version of Batman that we know. So if you start off by saying that, then whatever choices you make afterwards are just creative licensing. Okay. That's fair. I really, I enjoy that show. And I felt like there was a lot of people who, anytime they deviated from like the original comic basis, we were like, excuse me, that's not how you can do that. And I was like, I, they're not making a Batman documentary. They're making a, a TV show about a Batman. Yes, and, and it's very specific that we talk about a Batman because um, one of my favorite things to, to read when I'm reading comics is these multiverse stories or Elseworld stories, as they're called. And it's where um, things are similar enough, but you change a key feature to it, which makes it its own thing. Like there's one where um, it's a Green Lantern story, but instead of Hal Jordan finding the ring, the ring goes to Bruce Wayne. So that sounds like a lot of fun. It is. It's like three or four issues. It's uh, it's where um, Bruce Wayne becomes the Green Lantern of Sector 2814, and it's kind of ridiculous. And then there's another one where um, instead of Kal-El from Krypton landing in Kansas, he ends up landing in Russia. And it's Superman Red Sun, and it's about um, the rise and fall of of um, of Stalin and and stuff like that. And also, it's it's like all this political tension between um, Superman being a dictator versus Lex Luthor being the all American hero. <laughs> I always love when they let Lex Luthor play the hero because. In reality, like if you really think about some of the stuff he does, he's not necessarily the worst dude in the world. He's just very self-righteous and very he believes him like he genuinely believes everyone is better off when they follow him. He's more more he's, egomaniacal than bad. Yeah, he's just trying to save the world from what he thinks is the ultimate destruction. But how he and, does it is not necessarily the great way. Then again, in the 1970s Superman movie, he was all about buying up land, like a whole bunch of land, just because he wanted more money and more power. And I feel like when they have him be like the Kingpin character like that, he's not nearly as fun as when he's just like, no, this Superman guy is a threat. We need to stop him. So you like him more as the 
the the ultimate scientist as opposed to the mustache twirling retail tycoon yeah well and i have i just generally when i see the mustache twirly villain most of the time it doesn't hit with me i like to be in a situation where you can look at them and hear them speak and be like okay you're i don't agree with you but i get where you're coming from like magneto Absolutely. Magneto is the greatest example. He is a phenomenal villain because in a lot of cases, he's not wrong to the point that the X-Men have to work with him. He's not wrong for what he wants to do. He's wrong for how he does it. Yeah. And again, the, the backstory there is perfect. His mistrust of people being born in the Holocaust, being someone who is Jewish and had to suffer through all of that it's so understandable that you almost feel bad for like disliking him. And, and this is why the uh, X-Men first class was such a good movie. Cause it showed how Charles and Eric pretty much wanted the, the same thing, which is like human and um, homo sapien or no homo sapien and homo superior. Um, like being able to live in peace, but how they did it, is completely different. Oh yeah. And I think, uh, one of the best moments in that movie is when Xavier and Magneto are finally starting to realize they're not on the same page. And Magneto looks at me, thinks you think all the humans are like Moira. And then he looks back and goes, and you think they're all like Shaw. And like, it comes down to the crux of them is like Magneto can see the bad in people. Whereas Xavier continues to see the good. And it makes both of them vulnerable. And and that's what drives further conflict in, in the future. So it's a nice origin story to see how we get from A to B, but also um, giving them hope of um, being friends in the future. Absolutely. And do you get moments in throughout the X-Men series where it's just so nice to see them, like see how much they do respect each other, them playing chess and Magneto cell and probably the only decent scene in X three when Magneto's like the fact that he had to die is the greatest shame. And it's one of the only like genuinely emotional parts of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the rest of that movie is really difficult to talk about. <laughs> Uh, I might need to, to deep dive into that series as a future podcast series. We did um, we did Ninja Turtles, um, like the three of them recently, and oh. um, and we found some emotional connection to them. But it, it's X Men would be an entirely different situation. The X Men films range so all over the place. Like two of the three Wolverine movies are pretty well. One of them's great. One of them's pretty good, and the other one's just like they just threw stuff at the wall and were like, "Cool, we can have Deadpool in this movie. We can have this happen." <laughs> yeah, that one's. And rough. then like X one, X Men, and X Men Two are good, but X Men Three is just not watchable. And then in the past series, like. Days of Future Past is okay. Oh, the road then, cut makes it so much better. The road cut does make it a lot better. First Class is really good, but then, like, Apocalypse is just an <laughs> abomination of a movie. It's all over the place. 
and I didn't even I couldn't convince myself to watch Dark Phoenix. So so Dark Phoenix is one of those interesting um situations where you have a chance to course correct and not tell the same story that you told on X-Men 3. And you can find a way to give a different approach and and more meaning to it. And it and it sets it up so you can do so. But then fails to do so so quickly. And it well, hurts. I feel like part of the problem with the both interpretations of the Phoenix is a, one of the most tragic things is when it first happens in the comics is, yes, Jean is manipulated by other people, but there are moments when it's very clear that she knows that she's in the wrong and, like, she tries to course correct herself. And ends up make like she ends up making things worse, but she's trying. And like in the movies, they're just kind of like, "Eh, fuck it." She just murders people. Yeah, it's uh, and and it's it's more of like they they make it more of her as opposed to making it an alien entity that's kind of possessing her because of power. Yeah, yeah and that actually is really awesome because the Phoenix force is then able to do other things other than just be Jean gray in the comics. Cause other people get the Phoenix force at times and it has a, like the fact that it has a will of its own is kind of interesting. How it's an all powerful alien entity, but it chooses what it wants to do. Yeah, exactly. Like it's depicted as a force of like, it's a, I guess the best description, it's a hurricane that has free will. Like Sharknado? Exactly, Sharknado. <laughs> it's a Sharknado. Nice. Jean Grey is the Sharknado of the Marvel Universe. I mean, it's kind of right. <laughs> Except uh, for the sharks can move things with their minds. Exactly. They're just really, really powerful psychic sharks, man. I love it. That'd be a great name for an album. Powerful Psychic Sharks. I like it. Yeah, no. Definitely save that one for later. Gonna have to. Well, speak of later, uh, we will be right back. We just gotta take a quick word from our sponsor. While you're listening to this ad, I'd like you to look down. Now look back up. Are you wearing an awesome shirt that says Team Ryan O? Or a shirt with a duck with a cup spilled over that says Party Foul? Are you also wearing a really cool button that says Did You Know with Ryan O? Or a hat that says Team Ryan O? Or I Know Ryan O? Well, if you're not doing any of those things, you should be. And you can do so by going to zazzle.com slash store slash did you know with Ryan O. That's right, folks. I have my own merchandise shop, and you can buy all sorts of amazing awesomeness pertaining to this podcast and show your love by once again going to zazzle.com slash store slash did you know with Ryan O. Wear it, share it, love it. And now back to our show. Did you know with Ryan O? We've talked about all sorts of cool and interesting things, um, but now it's time for us to go into our segment known as Ryan O and the Mailbox 
of doom. And this is where we uh, open up the mailbox and try to answer some questions without getting hit by a, a giant falling boulder. Um, recently, I have asked many questions on Facebook to try to get some responses from our audience and to uh, learn more about some of their thoughts. So the, the question that we're going to talk about this episode is what was your favorite show as a youngster? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list some of them off and and uh, Stephen, how about you tell me if you've seen them or not? All right. Um, what about Lassie? I have not. Um, Dragon Tales. I have that. That I did watch as a kid. Let's see. We got um, Electric Company or Speed Racer. Uh, I remember like it was one of those things I watched with my dad. That like he had on that I wasn't that into, but it's like it's on and my dad's here. Why not? Because it, it's just there, so why not go for it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, let's see. We got um Mork and Mindy. Haven't seen it. Um, the Brady Bunch. I feel like every human being has seen at least an episode or two of that. Because at some point, um, it's it's always been on television since it aired. Oh yeah, no, it's. I feel like it's like that in Happy Days. Like you would have to proactively try to avoid it to have not seen it. it which is kind of um, what I did with Seinfeld for like the longest time. I proactively tried to not watch it, but when it's on three channels at the same time, it became hard. <laughs> I, I still have managed to keep my avoidance of Seinfeld just because I don't think Jerry Seinfeld is particularly funny. But and, and that's 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 you know it's not your cup of tea. That's okay. Yeah. Not mine either. I mean, airplane food. What's up with that? <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see, we also got Scooby Doo. Where are you? Uh, one of my favorite. Anything Scooby Doo is great. Between Love. my Love. wife and I, we own like every episode of every series of Scooby-Doo. So which one's your favorite, do you think? Um, I have a soft spot for the original. Um, okay. But I'm also a big fan of, um, of the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Uh, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo is... I don't. A pup named Scooby Doo holds a special place in my heart for how silly it is, but Thirteen Ghosts is probably my favorite. Uh, then, then um, I I do enjoy uh, Mystery Inc. because of its overarching and connecting story. Um, as yeah. they made it serial as opposed to episodic. That is one that I've seen a few episodes of, and I probably will go back and finish just because it was actually pretty interesting. If if you binge it all the way through, it holds up because of the ups and downs that the story gives you. Now, I'm not a fan of episodes that have Scrappy in it. He's my least favorite character in everything. I, I, I think that's just like, that's the joke from the live action movie is that he just makes everything worse. I mean, and it's let kind me of at true. Him. Let me at him. And he just, that, that's it. The worst is when he starts like doing that for other people. He's like, "My un- uncle Scoob's gonna knock you out," and he's just like, "What?" <laughs> uh-huh. 
You're not even going to fight for yourself? You're going to pick a fight for me? Thanks, bro. Yeah, Like, for sure, man. I got to get out of here. And then, and, then he just, and then he's just there, like, with his fists, and they just lift him up from his collar and start running. It's the easiest way to solve a scrappy episode. Yeah, I... It's so weird to me that that... Because, like, it... You talk about something being people's cup of tea. Like, I don't think I know anybody that's like, Scrappy is my favorite. So if Scrappy is your favorite, please let us know by sending me an email. Did you know Ryan O at gmail.com? <laughs> we we want to know. I, I do. I want to know who, who he appeals to. Um, also watching Be Cool, Scooby-Doo. Don't. Okay. Yep. I, I've I've seen two or three episodes of it. It's um, it doesn't hold up. I'd rather watch every episode of What's New Scooby Doo instead. Yeah. That's like the early two thousands with the Simple Plan as their theme song. Oh yeah, that was a good one. So we also got just a couple more um, responses here. Um, we got Batman, the animated series. Love that show. Uh, Leave it to Beaver, Gilligan's Island. I've seen Gilligan's Island. I I feel like I've seen clips, but never like a whole episode of Leave it to Beaver. We, we also got um, Kim Possible and SpongeBob. Watched both of those growing up. Got uh, the Monkees, um, G-Force. Uh, Happy Days and Roy Rogers. I've seen G-Force and Happy Days. I don't even know what the monkeys is. It's it's and about a close- band. Okay. Um, I've seen uh, Duck Dodgers, but not Roy Rogers. That's fair. It's it's probably close. We also got um the the Muppy the Muppets um Wow Little House on a Prairie. Um, X-Men, Fraggle Rock, uh, Power Rangers, Hey Arnold, Boy Meets World. Um, oh man, this is, that's a great list. Yep. Just all, uh, Little House on the Prairie, sister's favorite show. She adored it. And then obviously like we've had tons of talks about how much we'll both enjoy Power Rangers. So, I mean, that's a, it's a great list. <laughs> coming together there and then to round out the list we've got a leave it to beaver teenage mutant ninja turtles s club seven sailor moon i dream of genie and then my grandmother said i did not have electricity nor a television when i was a youngster <laughs> <laughs> i see well i'm sure she enjoyed uh, watching the outside world i've heard it's pretty entertaining I haven't been in the outside world in a while, but it, it was entertaining from what I remember of it. From what I recall and what, what I see in video games, nature seems cool. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just too darn hot outside right now here in Florida. And, and so, and I remember your, your answer on here um, was the magic school bus. Was it really? Yep. Huh. I mean, I, I did enjoy that show growing up a lot. And uh, 
one of my favorite things is uh, the just the running gag, Carlos, as he made his terrible puns. Yeah, it, it, but it, it's almost like they decided to do um, the Debbie Downer, but like a uh, kid version of it. Yeah. So, and then, of course, my, my favorite shows growing up were, um, were Batman, X-Men, and uh, Power Rangers. Yep. Uh, Which we could do an entire episode talking about Power Rangers, but we'll have to save that for a later time. Oh, absolutely. We Well, we've spent like four hours at work sometimes talking about random Power Rangers nonsense. Because sometimes you got to um, talk about the philosophy um, and choices that are made in a ridiculous television show. Oh, absolutely. Why did Zordon choose teenagers? I don't know. That's like the biggest question ever. Um, so speaking of questions, now we're coming down to more of our uh, trivia aspect of the episode. So let's jump into our word of the day. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a word, and I'd like you to tell me what you think it means. All right. All right. The word of the day is cow catcher. Cow catcher? That is correct. What's a cow so, catcher? <laughs> I know that there's a job that's a chicken chaser. So I'm going to assume it's the same thing where they work at like livestock places and it's the dude responsible for making sure the cow gets to where he get needs to be. Uh, kind of like, 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 like a wrangler or something. Yeah, kind of like a cowboy, except I'm specifically thinking more like he works at the slaughterhouse. And he's like, nah, buddy, you're getting on that conveyor belt. <laughs> Yikes. I almost like your answer better than the actual one, which is it's an incline frame on the front of a railroad locomotive for throwing obstacles off the track, like that little sharp triangle. Oh, yeah. The thing that like if it in case the train hits something, it just kind of goes exactly. the other way. Wow, that's actually less humane than my answer. That's kind of scary. <laughs> yep. It uh it came about in the uh, early 1830s. <clears throat> so that's our lovely uh word of the day. In the uh, science world, um did you know that there is a, a a new species of ant that was discovered between um 63rd and 76th streets on Broadway? Um, in New York. Wait, how did they just discover something that's in New York, like in the center of all those people? Because of how it um, evolved. Um, they said it's similar to uh, like an ant in Europe, but it's different enough that it's kind of its own subspecies. Um, okay. And it, um, let's see. It's... um. It's an isolated patches of urban green, and they because they were um, isolated. So what it is? It's isolation. They were so far away from other uh, ants that they kind of developed into their own thing, um, just because of natural selection in order to thrive in the urban jungle. Oh, cool! So if you were an ant, um, a species of ant that was made in uh, that part of New York. What would you call the species of ant? Oh man, I don't know like 
I don't know the layout of Manhattan, so I don't know like which area that is. But I'm gonna go with uh, uh, I'm gonna make a guess that that's the Bronx, and it's gonna be a uh, the Bronx ain't. I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, so the actual species name of it is a Manhattan. Manhattan. That's amazing. <laughs> yep. A Manhattan specific ant, the Manhattan ant. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous and a half. Speaking of ridiculous and a half, in uh, 1783, the first hot air balloon was launched. Um, what were its first passengers? First hot air balloon was launched. I'll tell you, its first passenger was not human. So, what do you think was its first passenger? In 1783? Yep. Uh, I'm going to say a pig and a dog. You, you're going with like the, the farm theme? You're very close. Uh, it's a, a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, apparently the flight lasted for eight minutes before it safely landed with its passengers. I mean, like... The duck was fine either way. It was the rooster and sheep that worried about the landing. <laughs> yeah, but I think they were like light enough that um, yeah. being about as light as a human, those three combined, would it would have probably uh, been in uh, some sort of way to do this. I don't know. It was the 18th yeah. century. I can't explain 18th century. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, you're talking about borderline still using leeches to treat disease so science wasn't exactly there at that point you you couldn't create like a, a dummy the the weight of a human set it in there yeah but also it was probably a test to see if they would survive um being that high up that's true you know, so a dummy wouldn't be able to to breathe cause yeah it, it's a dummy well yeah and i you know clo you know duck rooster sheep that's Pretty much a human. Pretty much, I guess. It breathes, they move. <laughs> it is both capable of breathing and being dead if it can't breathe. So, you know, human, there why you not? I, I like it. And so now that's going to push us into towards the end of our show. Where we're we're going to jump into the random trivia generator brought to you by randomtriviagenerator.com where I'm just going to ask you questions quickly and you try to give me uh, an answer as quick as you can, okay? All right. All right we're we're going to do five of them. Um, starting off, what is the name given to the dark areas of the surface of the sun? Uh, sunspots. That is correct. Which Friends actress appeared in Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark video? Oh, shit. Uh, Friends actress. Uh, the, the girl who played Monica. Yes, that is correct. Courtney Cox. Um, which bird is the national bird of Israel? Mm, parrot. It's a, a hoopoe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Um, let's see. Which his, What historic plaza is named for the first publisher of the Dallas Morning News? Dallas Morning News. Um, Crystal Plaza. The Daily Plaza. Okay. And then um, 
Finally, who released the song Getting Jiggy With It? That was Will Smith. That is correct. That is five questions from the random trivia generator. Congratulations. We both survived. Yay, we did it. Yeah, man. Um, so that's going to bring us towards the end of the, the show. Um, do you have anything going on that you'd like to promote or any sort of social media that you'd like to promote or anything? I mean, uh, not really. I'm not, I haven't been producing any videos or anything lately, but, uh, you know, just good advice for those of you who are still stuck in quarantine. Uh, PlayStation network has basically every resident evil game on sale. So, you know, I'll give them some hype. (laughs) So go out there and play resident evil video games. Absolutely. Best way to pass the time. Sweet. Um, so then we, we, we have to end this by asking a question of the week. So what do you think our question of the week, based on things that we talked about today, should be? Oof. Everything we talked about today. Yeah, it could be anything that we talked about today. You know what? I think we should do something about... Uh anime stuff just since we talked about toonami a lot what's your favorite anime what's your favorite anime and you can answer that question um you can also um talk to us you can join in on this conversation or any conversation by chatting us up on twitter at did you know ryan o you could email us did you know ryan o at gmail.com or you can find us on facebook did you know with Ryan O. Thank you once again, Stephen, for joining me on this episode. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Totally. We'll have to do it again. Maybe do like a hour long chat about the Power Rangers. Absolutely. And, and for those of us here, to those of you out there, we hope that you find your awesome, hold on to it and share it with the world. I've been Ryan O and we'll see you next time. Did you know? Did you know?